Hi everyone, the Complex PTSD Guy here. Today I'm going to talk about how to make your New Year's resolution be successful from my own experience, what worked for me, and a new TV show that I've been binge watching that talks about trauma, or it shows people who have been through trauma. I'll start out by saying that I'm not a doctor or a psychologist, I'm just a person living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own opinions and ideas. I hope everyone is doing good. I thought I would share a few tips on how I made my New Year's resolution work last this past year. I know many people begin a New Year's resolution on the first day of the new year, January 1st, and my first piece of advice would be to not do that. I started my New Year's resolution December 1st, talking about last year. So I started working out with my personal trainer in December of last year. I started before the new year. And obviously we're basically past the point where you can do that now for this month. So my advice would be to start on February 1st of this coming year. One reason for this being, when I started one month early, I was able to be ahead of the curve and discipline myself during the holiday season before new year hit. I've tried resolutions on January 1st, and the reason I think so many fail is because I personally, and maybe you do too, I used to get into a group think where all of a sudden everyone's going to the gym or everyone's dieting or everyone has a new life perspective, and after about two or three weeks, we start to fall back into our old routines. One thing is you start seeing other people give up their resolution and maybe in kind of a group way think groupthink way, it makes you want to give up too. And it's probably in all honesty, people weren't approaching things in the most functional way for them. As I said, they might have jumped into it and it was probably too drastic of a lifestyle change. This usually relates to dieting, exercise, or a new perspective on the world. My advice would be to study ahead and take baby steps. Start a month after everyone and see what worked for them the previous month when they started and what did not work for them. They might give you some good advice so you don't make the same mistakes they did. Another piece of advice is to not go outside your budget with your goals. I almost did that and it almost caused me to want to quit. But that being said, you get what you pay for. So you have to find a balance there. A third piece of advice Change your routine in ways that you are actually comfortable with. When I worked out with my personal trainer, there were some workouts that were starting to be a little too much for me. My shoulders were starting to hurt. I was starting to have aches and pains, and I didn't want my shoulder to go out because I'm a massage therapist, and I also work an office job, so I can't be in a cast or anything. I'm not a believer in no pain, no gain. I'm very much against that. You can gain without hurting yourself. I've seen massage therapists do this where they say, oh, no pain, no gain. Sometimes, you know, the pressure hurts. I I don't believe in that. I've seen massage clients who have tension for weeks from their workouts, and I always tell them, your workouts shouldn't be hurting you to where you're needing to see someone to relieve the pain. I personally only do deadlifts With a trap bar with about 150 pounds, I do squats with a kettlebell with about 44 pounds. It's a 44-pound kettlebell. And I do chest presses with two 25-pound dumbbells. I only do this about two or three days a week, and I'll do about two rounds of four each time. 
That's really not much, but it's what I like to do, and it keeps my body in the shape I want it to be in. I have no goals or dreams of being one of those huge gym monster men. That's not what I'm aiming for, so I like to keep myself just pretty average looking. I always do what I'm comfortable with, and I always make sure to drink plenty of protein and some low-fat chocolate milk within 30 minutes of working out because chocolate milk helps your muscles recover. A lot of people don't know that, I found out. Another piece of advice is use an app for tracking what you eat. This was hugely important for me, and I think a huge reason why I was successful was this one particular app, and I'll explain. So if I was writing things on a piece of paper, that wouldn't work for me. The app, you can literally put in specific foods and brand names, and it tells you exactly what you're consuming. And that worked really well to where it eventually put it into my long-term memory. Because as I've said before, I have short-term memory issues. And this doesn't have to be intense, tracking what you eat. The app I use is called Nutrition IX, or Nutrition IX Track. It's literally just nutrition and the letters IX. You just type in the brand name and what it is, and it usually should pop up. It tells you how much fat, protein, carbs you are eating, and calories. Once you get to understand what you should be taking in in a day, so let's say for me, I'll give a real example. This is from the month of June of this year, and this is what I consider good for me to build muscle and still stay the size I prefer. A good day, I took in 120 grams of protein. That's quite a lot of protein by the way only about 40 grams of fat and that's really what I should limit my fat per day and about 135 carbs I think my calories were about 1500 or something by the way whenever you're tracking your intake of things you must look at the serving size on the labels for instance I love mayonnaise and I used to eat mayo with all types of food I realized after being in personal training that my fat levels were really, really high. I didn't really look fat, and I didn't feel fat, but they were high. Once I saw how many grams of fat are in one serving of mayonnaise, I was thinking, wow, that is one place I was getting the fat from. And if you look at the servings on the mayo, um, you always go by, you know, the servings or the portions. Uh, I shouldn't say portions. Um, but whatever the servings are. So if something says it could be anything, if something says 13 grams of fat per serving, that's a lot of fat per serving. The same thing goes for sodium. I don't ever buy anything over 500 milligrams of sodium, and that's pizza included. Things that are overly processed are fried foods, heavily breaded foods, meals that are frozen, or as I said, pizzas, these things can tend to have really high sodium levels, and sodium makes you look bloated. And when you feel like you're bloated, you think you're fat, and you're actually not fat, you're just bloated. And the bloat will go away. One food that helps make bloated, bloatedness go away is cantaloupe, because it's a diuretic. Canned foods do this too with sodium. That's why I like to keep it easy with some things and stick to low-fat cereals, that are high in protein or really light meals like seafood that isn't breaded. If I go to a Chinese restaurant, I usually get a seafood and broccoli plate that's not breaded. I stay away from almost all dips and sauces because there's a lot of fat in them. That includes salad dressings. I usually only use oil and vinegar or a low-fat dressing. 
when I went to a restaurant yesterday, I got one order of fried pickles. Even though they were fried, I knew they wouldn't be horribly breaded because they're fried pickles. And the dips they gave me, I did not use at all. They were one of the things on the menu with the least amount of calories, too. Even though the fat grams might have been high from the oil that they fried the food in, I had to give and take on it. I don't cut out all fried foods or all breaded foods. I give and take. If you literally try and cut out all of a certain thing, you will drive yourself crazy and likely not succeed. So again, why New Year's resolution might fail. So that's another piece of advice. Don't drive yourself nuts. Life is too short for that. And with that being said, if you know a certain thing is way too addictive for you, don't do it. Especially if it's alcohol or drugs. I'm referencing exercise and food here. Alcohol is a whole other ballgame. So to wrap up, when I stopped working out with my personal trainer, I immediately went and bought my own equipment. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made because I still use it today. So successful New Year's resolution example. I think in the next podcast, I might give a meditation walkthrough. It's a visualization that I created And one of my resolutions that I began about two weeks ago was to start meditating regularly once again, and I have been. And the visualization is something that works for me, so maybe it'll work for you too. I'm then going to do a podcast with the author I mentioned in my last podcast. I haven't done an interview for a while, so that should be fun. She wrote the Soul Selfie books, and her name is Heather Carter. Last but not least, after I do that interview, I'm wanting to do a podcast possibly about people who use horse horses for therapy for PTSD. I've recently been binge-watching a show called Yellowstone. In my opinion, it's a modern-day Greek tragedy, and it is a combination of The Sopranos meets Gunsmoke, those two shows. I know a lot of my listeners are in England, so I don't know if Yellowstone is talked about much over there, but it's pretty huge here right now. I don't normally f- watch cowboy movies or tv shows but this is sort of a modern ranch family and there are real cowboys on the show it's a really good show actually last night i binge watched it until 5 a.m and i still managed to make it to work today and i'm up to the beginning of the third season right now it's about a family that is sadly relatable to me because it is so tragic just like the sopranos was tragic and that was relatable I'm not talking about the violence that's in it. I'm talking, or I should say, the the gangster activity that's in it. I'm talking about the immediate family and how they engage with one another. It's, It's very toxic. Basically, all of this man's kids, this man is in his 60s. It's Kevin Costner. Basically, all of his kids have been through some kind of trauma. The daughter has trauma from her mother and from her brother. The son has trauma from being in war. And the kids are all my generation. They're in their 30s, early 40s, mid to late 30s. One child's in his late 20s, I think, or early 30s. So it's people my age, and it's relatable. There's a lot of violence in it, but it is really, it's very entertaining. Especially once you get past the fourth episode. Wow. I will say the fourth episode is what truly got me hooked. There's one particular scene where four of the men are walking, and one of them is this big bully, and he trips one of the guys. The guy's name is Jimmy. And once you get to know Jimmy, he's sort of like if the rapper Eminem became a cowboy, but he used to be a junkie, and he's really naive. Anyways, the two of them start fighting, 
I thought the other two guys were going to just let Jimmy get pummeled to death, but they didn't, and I love how it shifted from being in the bully's favor to Jimmy's favor. A big reason I started watching this was because Kevin Costner is in it, and so is the guy who played the mentally ill neighbor in the movie American Beauty. His name's Wes Bentley. I saw American Beauty in theaters when I was 17 years old with my friends, and I always liked the neighbor boy's character in it. It's a classic. I'm starting to ramble on now, so I'm going to end today's podcast. This is the Complex PTSD Guy signing off.